Welcome to the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily re reflect the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everybody. I'm Dr. Andrew Sheehan from the San Antonio Military Medical Center. This evening, I'm excited to be talking to Dr. Rob Hartzler from TSAOG Orthopedics here in San Antonio. Dr. Hartzler's paper entitled Remplissage Using Interconnected Knotless Anchors Superior Biomechanical Properties to a Knotted Technique was published in the November 2018 edition of Arthroscopy Journal. Rob, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining me. Andy, thanks for having me on. Uh, this was a fun uh, little study to carry out and uh, one that I think is practical. And um, I appreciate your reading the title of the article in the form of a question. Skillfully done. I didn't know if I should have said question mark or not at the end, so I'm glad you noticed that. So I think for topics like this, and you know, we have a lot of listeners that maybe um, – you know, focus primarily on hip surgery and, and knee surgery. And so they may not be familiar necessarily with, with remplissage. So just real quickly, why don't you give us an overview of, of what the remplissage technique is and, and why it was first proposed? Well, remplissage um, was a technique that was originally described by uh, Dr. Eugene Wolf. And um, it uh, is a French term, which means uh, filling. Um, I don't, I don't speak French, but that's what I'm told. And, um, so it's a way to treat the humeral head, um, defect, which often occurs with instability. Um, and the filling that occurs is with the rotator cuff and capsule uh, by placing suture anchors into the defect and then tying them. There's a bunch of different remplissage techniques, but, uh, the basic idea, um, is what I've just said to, uh, to treat the lesion, uh, in that fashion. Why don't you tell me and the listeners what the impetus behind this paper was, how y'all set it up, and what you think the key findings were from the effort? Well, this study uh, was done basically to validate um, a, a new type of anchor, and um, we thought that it would be uh, good to test this in a common clinical scenario that we use it. Um, in this study, we uh, we chose to... Uh, look at remplissage, uh, which we typically perform with two suture anchors. And prior to uh, this knotless type of anchor coming out, uh, we would tie uh, one suture from each anchor to uh, the other suture two times so that, the, and Dr. Burkhart came up with that technique, which uh, he called the medial, well, a double pulley technique. Um, Often that was used in rotator cuff surgery, and so we would call it a medial double pulley, but basically to use the eyelid of each anchor as a pulley. And when you tie the two uh, suture tails together, then you can create uh, a double mattress type of fixation between two suture anchors. So uh, we would uh, use that in rotator cuff surgery and, and remplissage, and we thought that, uh, that uh, testing that co the construct with the new suture anchors, uh, which are uh, knotless and, and uh, tensionable uh, anchors, would be uh, a good clinical application for the experiment. So that was so the background, um, and I should say um, that these are proprietary anchors that uh, were designed by Arthrex, 
and uh, Arthrex did um, both fund the study and um, provide the, the lab space for us to carry out the experiments. Um, and at the time of the initiation of the study and, and uh, the experiments and the writing, Dr. Burkhardt and I uh, were both working as um, consultants for Arthrex. So uh, the, those um, disclosures, I think, should be uh, made up front and they're uh, made clear in the article. But um, so, so we initiated this study uh, after these anchors had come out. And one of Dr. Burkhardt's principles uh, was to, uh, with each sort of iteration and step advance in arthroscopic shoulder surgery that he made to really test um, and validate that what was coming on as something new at least was equivalent to what had been done before. And so these knotless anchors are quite handy because as the name implies, one doesn't have to tie knots to uh, achieve secure um, fixation. And and so um, there are some advantages for reproducibility and for uh, saving time in the operating room uh, with these. And we just wanted to make sure that the uh, mechanism uh, was sound and that the construct uh, using interconnect interconnectivity between two anchors with the knotless mechanism was equivalent to a knotted construct. Well, that was a great synopsis of, of the impetus behind the study. So why don't you tell us what you found? So in this uh, study, we tested seven matched uh, pairs of cadaver shoulders, um, each one uh, getting either a knotted or a knotless remplissage construct. And the knotless uh, construct was equivalent uh, or better to the traditional knotted type of repair. Uh, and in fact, the knotless construct was better in load to clinical failure and yield load in the uh, single pull to failure type of testing. Both constructs uh, performed very well and didn't have um, clinical failure during cyclic loading. So um, what was one thing that was very interesting in looking at the mode of failure was that they were different between the two groups. And in the knotted group, the typical mode of failure was either, either suture breakage or suture loosening, whereas in the knotless group, they failed either by the tendon tearing or by the anchors pulling out. And so, you know, it really gave us some confidence that the knotless uh, mechanism of the anchor uh, was sound. And one of the things, and it makes sense because in this particular knotless design, um, the, the mechanism of the security is that the suture is threaded back into itself inside of the anchor body, um, which is called a suture splice mechanism. Um, and it has a self-reinforcing nature so that the more that it's pulled against, the tighter that fixation uh, becomes. And so it, it makes sense that that construct would be better. Uh, it also makes sense that in that each anchor to suture uh, pair in the knotless group uh, is independent of one another, whereas in uh, a double pulley type of fixation, if either one suture or one knot fails, the entire construct fails. Mm -hmm. So uh, it does seem like 
um, that this is uh, this type of anchor and this type of fixation is an advance. Um, it does seems to have more reliability um, just by reasoning it out and and uh, time saving, and seems to be stronger uh, as well. So um, each you know type of technology like this certainly has disadvantages and new things are more expensive and um you know have their own quirks and um, ways that that it can uh, be vexing in the operating room but at least in terms of the biomechanics uh in this experiment the this knotless uh, interconnected type of fixation performed very very well so why don't you give us a synopsis on how you do the rimpulsage today. Where do you put your anchors? How do you pass your sutures? Things like that. In general, our technique, um, which which Dr. Burkhart described and which we used in this paper, was to place the anchors um, at the rim of the defect so that the rotator cuff um, completely excluded it from being able to uh, engage and filled, filled the entire defect. Um, and we also pass the sutures through both the cuff and the capsule and tie them in the, or secure them in the subacromial space. So there are a few different techniques described for remplissage, but uh, that was Dr. Burkhardt's preferred way. And that's uh, typically the way that I still do it now. Real quick, tell us what the, the, the sequence of events is. Do you put your anchors in the defect first and then go address your bank card repair and then go back and and tie them or, or secure them down or do you do the opposite or how do you do it? So you will get swelling back there fairly quickly. And so I do like to get those anchors in uh, and pass through the cuff fairly quickly. But, um, but what I like to do is pat is prepare the bank heart repair, um, prepare the bone and the labrum um, and at least place the most inferior anchor and pass sutures for that um, without securing them prior to putting in um, the remblissage anchors. Have you seen any of these gone bad? I've treated two patients in my practice who were referred, uh, who had complications of prior instability surgery, which um, seemed to be complications of remblissage. One was a rotator cuff tear at the musculotendinous junction. Um, and one w had basically had the deltoid remplissaged in with, uh, with the reconstruction. And, you know, both of those patients were, were treated and, and did, did fine. Um, but seeing that seemed to be the complex, you know, those seem to be technical errors. The downsides of remplissaging it seems to cause more pain. I think that uh, that's been established in a couple of studies. Um, R. Sierra and colleagues uh, published a paper that was on Bankart remplissage versus Latterge, and they they seem to have um, those patients seem to have more pain and a higher recurrent instability rate than Latterge, although less overall complications. So, um, so there's that. That's another factor to consider, and then that we already talked about. Uh, some loss of external rotation. The uh, the first the first of those two cases that you mentioned the 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 muscular uh, tendinous junction tear. So that would 
presumably have been the, the technical error then would have been not passing the stitches um, through the tendon, correct? Yeah, and that's why, I mean, I like to repass them. The, you'll see some techniques reported as just placing just placing the anchors, um, you know, through a posterior approach, you know, standard posterior arthroscopy portal, um, and then, and then tying them. But I think that that places the sutures then either at the musculotendinous junction or in muscle. Um, whereas if you use a posterior portal, which gives you the best angle for the anchor placement, and then repass the sutures using a percutaneous approach, as I described earlier, then uh, that that tends to put that tends to place the sutures as lateral as you can, as lateral as you can, hopefully through real tendon, um, but also hopefully with enough tissue that it'll actually inset the tissue into the hill sacs defect. So um, it's complicated. There's a lot of competing, there's a lot of competing interests there when you're doing all that work. So let's take a step back from the technical aspects of instability surgery and talk more philosophically for a minute. So, and I asked uh, Brett Owens uh, when he was a guest on the podcast uh, several months ago, this question. So I'll pose it to you. What are you doing for the, let's say, uh, senior in high school collision athlete with 15% bone loss. Dr. Arciero published a paper several years ago in the American Journal of Sports Medicine that would suggest that remplissage is inferior to Latter-day in terms of recurrence. Is there a role for remplissage in your hands with respect to that patient? I think my bias is to hedge towards soft tissue reconstruction unless they unless they have severe glenoid bone loss which would be the for me the primary driver to do uh latterjay um you know the complication rate is lower um as you said often these are younger patients and um so i think it just preserves i mean remplissage is not is somewhat of a non anatomic reconstruction but um, but I think sort of preserves more of their normal anatomy. And in my experience, proposing latter um, to younger patients and their families and trainers and things like that is, um, it's a harder sell. So, um, I think that at least from, from what we've been able to determine from other studies in the literature and for what we've been able to determine, uh, by following up Dr. Burkhart's patients since the on-track, since he was using the on-track or off-track paradigm, um, Bankart Remplissage has been quite successful uh, in preventing recurrent instability, even in this situation uh, where there's that subcritical amount of glenoid bone loss. Um, and one of our fellows last year uh, completed a project that we initiated um, a few years ago on that. And, and so we'll be, um, submitting that pretty soon, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think bank heart remplissage is going to be a really nice option for the situation that you've, uh, for the situation that you've described and knowing perhaps that there will be a little bit of 
a higher recurrence rate and really high risk patients versus a bony reconstruction. But there are a number of advantages, as I stated, um, for doing a soft tissue reconstruction for them. Well, Rob, this has been a great conversation. You're a busy guy. You're over the place. You're in social media, Maven. You just launched the uh, Arthroscopy Journal YouTube page. So uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to get into the weeds and talk technique and philosophy about remplissage this evening. Well, thanks, Andy. I mean, I think shoulder instability is really a fun topic because um, there's lots of room for um, refining our techniques and indications and post-operative care. And um, these can be challenging patients, but a really fun topic. So uh, thanks for having me on and resurrecting an old study. We, uh, I think, um, did a lot of work on it. And I think it it is uh, a valuable addition to the literature. So if um, if the listeners haven't checked out that study, I'd, I'd encourage them to uh, to get into the weeds with us there. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Northwest Journal Podcast. Dr. Hartzer's paper entitled Remplissage Using Interconnected Knotless Anchors, Superior Biomechanical Properties to a Knotted Technique, was published in November of 2018 in the Arthroscopy Journal and could currently be accessed at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Thanks for joining us and have a nice evening.